Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You're tuned in listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on U92 The Moose on uh, 91.7 FM, Morgantown. I'm your host, alongside with my other host. We got Max and Tristan here. Um, we're going to be talking about the film that swept the Oscars by my surprise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. Unfortunately, swept the Oscars. My my uh my guy Todd Field did not win a single award for Tar, and that made me very upset. Um, but you know what? What do I always say? What do I always say? What do I say about the voters? Uh, they're bad. They don't know yes. what they're doing. Yeah, they're bad. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> All right. All although, right. Although, although I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. I mean, I don't, I don't really have anything negative to say about this film. Um, there we go. But I just prefer Tar a lot more than this. Yeah. So it's it's like a personal preference kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Upon watching it again, prior to our recording of this, did you see anything else? See anything new? Uh, get inspired. I mean, not necessarily. I enjoyed it more the second watch rather than the first time. There we go. Um, I guess I I saw the the themes a little bit more clearly with regards to the relationship dynamic between, um, you know, uh, Evelyn and Joy. I mean, I know that's like the crux of the film essentially. Um, but I, I guess I. I saw it more clearly. I mean, I saw it and I, I definitely acknowledged it. I noticed it the first time watching it, but I guess the second time I was more um, keen to that idea. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'd say that. And then also to like how. Um, hmm. Like how the the multiverse, whatever, like the different universes kind of playing off of each other with regards to not only her relationship with her daughter, but her relationship with her father and her husband. Yeah. Um, and all the those all like weave together. It's very beautiful um, and yeah. very, very creative. I mean, this film is just loads full of creativity. I mean, that's like its best quality. Um, is his absurd um, nature uh, to the film, I would yes. say. But yeah, exactly. It is it is really, really creative. This was my I rewatched it post Oscars pre-recording of this episode for the third time in its entirety. Um the first time I saw it, I, I was in theaters, uh, which is where you should watch it, in all honesty. Um I was in theaters. I came back and I was like, that was really something. I don't know what to think, but you know what? I would go back and see it again. You know, I kept talking about it. Okay, you know, you know what? Why not? And I, I showed my parents the movie like a few months afterwards when it was renting on like Amazon or something. Um, so watched it with them. And I was like, okay, I get a little bit more out of this now. I still have no idea what's going on, but you know, it's still an enjoyable watch the second time. And my parents were like, 
yeah, we should we should probably watch that again. We have no idea what was going on. I'm like, fair, fair enough, fair point. So I watched it the third, now I'm here the third time. And I'm like, okay, let now let's take a step back. Let's I I I I've decided not to look at it like a science fiction film. It is, but like let's look at it not as a science fiction film. Let's not take it literally. Let's take it absolutely metaphorically and philosophically and and using that 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 worked a lot more to, in order to get me to see more meaning behind a lot of the choices that they made um the daniels that is um i i, I actually prepared a statement uh to read um regarding my uh vision of the of the the film after watching it i wrote this at 11 15 p.m on tuesday march 14th let me be clear little obama there let me be clear i do not think that everything everywhere all at once is miles better than tar a dense and scathing look at the impact of cancel culture and how that modifies how we behave as humans triangle of sadness a well-written ensemble tour de force of biting satire about the roles of wealth, power, and status, or The Banshees of Inish Aaron, a devastating tale of male relationships and despair. I do think, though, that this piece of media will be used in philosophy classes and cinema classes for many years to come. Because I believe that this is one of the groundbreaking pieces that uses absurdism and the theater of the absurd to present its ideas to the public. It's going to, I think this, everything everywhere all at once is going to go down in the same breath as Waiting for Godot by Samuel Beckett uh, for the stage. That is, that is my opinion, having watched it. Because again, having seen it three times, there's so much in this movie to break apart and look at. Now, do you mind if I define the theater of the absurd and what absurdism is? Yeah, go ahead. Heck yeah. Okay, I'm so pumped. <laughs> okay. So like we we I mean you you definitely picked up on this mostly cuz you said it to me before um we started recording, but the the one side of the coin, the joy side of the coin is nihilism. The yeah. belief that nothing matters and we shouldn't care to do anything good because nothing matters and that just leads to cruelty and callousness a uh, cold look outlook on the world very depressing very very sad absurdism is not the opposite of nihilism it's adjacent to that so like absurdism also says that nothing matters but that we should do our best to fight that, that we should find purpose, find meaning in the actions that we do, even if nothing will end up mattering. We may be insignificant, but if we find a reason to do what we do, then we are able to move past that. The, um, the, the, the guy who's most associated with absurdism um, is... Uh, Albert Camus, a French guy, 
Hence why you silenced the back half of both of his names. Albert Camus, Albert Camus. Love that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but Camus wrote about the myth of Sisyphus in Greek. Um, you know, Sisyphus, the guy who was punished by, okay, he's got to roll a rock up a hill for all of eternity. And then the next day, it just ends up back at the bottom of the hill, and he's got to do it all over again. And so the trick in absurdism is to imagine that instead of seeing this as the punishment, the tedium, the monotony, the boredom of having to do it every day, you're dealing with Sisyphus believes that the, he Sisyphus is happy to do this, as this gives him purpose, as this gives him meaning, as this act of rolling the boulder up a hill allows him to make it to the next day. It's much more of a survival instinct than it is an optimistic, everything's peachy keen, let's go jump off the diving board into the pool of who knows what's down there. And I got a lot more of that because the absurd allows you to be wild, I think. Right. Is everything everywhere all at once is a bonanza of visuals and raccoons and yeah, it's I I mean I the way I describe it I mean tonally it's a mess like it's all over the place I think uh with it's like well the props like the tone the first half like the first part part one mm-hmm. is I think is um. Not as focused as part two. Um, and yeah. I think that that mostly is due to like th- literally just trying to explain what is going on mechanically with the things that, uh, you know, the multiverse, like how that works and, and whatnot, like all the action sequences, all the fighting. Because um, yeah, the second part of the film is what I, I prefer. But yeah, I mean, in that way, it's definitely absurd. Um, in that in that respect. Yeah. And then it gets into the nihilistic aspect of Joy, or Jobu Tubaki, or whatever you call her name. Yep, um, that's it. <laughs> it was like the the evil manifest manifestation of Joy. Uh, or I wouldn't say I wouldn't say evil, but like the depressed version of Joy. I'd say nihilism personified. Yeah. And she is. Um, I, what is. Did you ever look into what like Jobu Tupaki is? Is that no. like a. OK. I did not so, look into that. No. <laughs> I wonder if that's like a, a word in a different language. And that means something. It probably does. Most likely. But. um, Yeah. Her. Yeah. That character. She's just like, well, I mean, when uh, when my mother neglects me and doesn't love me, uh, nothing matters. Or parents, I should say, but more mother, I guess, because like, you know, there's that thread, right? Because her Evelyn's father let her go and yeah. didn't really doesn't really know how to show love. Disowned and, her for her decision, yeah. Yeah, and then you kind of have sort of the same thing. I mean, she doesn't disown Joy, but she doesn't really know how to communicate with her daughter. 
and she's and not accepting to, either. And how, yeah, and how to show her love and whatnot. Because, you know, right, like towards the beginning of the film when uh, Joy's about to leave to go somewhere or whatever, uh, Evelyn's like, hey, I have something to tell you. And she's like, what? You're getting fat. You gotta you gotta start eating healthy and working yeah. out or whatever. And then she leaves like crying, bro. Like I mean it's like wow. And this is where the acting comes in, which is do you think that's what she was absolutely going to say? And she changed her mind, it was go- and said something else. Like, I mean, you know, we we went through Lady Bird, we went through all these films about, you know, well, how is love expressed? Is love is paying attention, love is, you know, whatever. Um, right. Is that maybe the back, the backhanded cruelty that is care? Like, mm. is there, a, is that a way to look at it? Maybe. I mean, maybe she thought, I mean, it seemed like maybe she wanted to say something different, but that's what she knows. You know, that's what com- considering her parents, like before her, yeah. like how they, how they raised her, how they treated her. That's probably that's how she knows what love how to express love yeah and she was just like kind of bullied in that way abused in that way um and so it's just like that classic case of like you know the cycle of abuse perpetuates itself um passed down by generation to generation and joy is and joy is like the the one that has to break that um and like show her mom how to show how to love, you know, not only her herself, but her daughter, mm-hmm. um, her husband and her father. Because, uh, I mean, the film. I don't even know, like, I get. What do you it, there's so much going on, like, what can you even consider the film to be mostly about like what's the major focus like the daughter father mother relationship just Evelyn as a whole and you know all those sorts of things I don't think I mean it has it features elements of the family drama the generally the generational trauma that you're talking about with you know I wasn't really fully unpacking that part as much so that like that helped me see that little element of it how okay uh, Grant Gongong's decision again uh, to bar disown Evelyn affects how Evelyn shows affection to Joy, which right. that's that I think that's a that's an element to it. That's a plot element. I don't think that's the reason. I don't think any relationship is the purpose for the film. I believe the purpose for the film is to define a way to keep on living it's to establish a life a lifestyle it's to it's a it's a call i think it's a call to action i want to say in behaving the way that the husband wayman does Mm, in, in, in that kindness in that love in that positivity right that 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 blissful hope kind of for what 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 could be you know optimistic and positive and good correct um, okay yeah I can, yeah no definitely i mean i guess i i i see the the family dynamic i definitely saw that too and also 
like the idea this was kind of just thrown out there but and this kind of played more into the nihilistic aspect of of uh, joy um enjoyed the character mm-hmm. now she was kind of mentioning that you know we're in this big giant universe we're so small and insignificant and like nothing really matters because of that yes and then evelyn rebuttaling with like no that's not true because you have those around you that care about you and that love you right right and it's like being it's like it's it's like being um recognized and appreciated um by those in your close knit circle not necessarily like being this historical figure right that will be remembered for centuries you know yeah that's not what life's about life's about being uh with with those that you care about those those you love um near and dear to your heart and like um appreciating them for who they are and uh, making sure you don't take it for granted yeah yeah because like obviously in some ways like joy is neglected um by evelyn and and that's that's not a good thing and she certainly has uh she's justified for the way she feels about her mom um but like also to taking it to that extreme is a little crazy i mean i think that's exactly what the googly eyes are for which is it's the absurd doesn't reject nihilism but it it accepts it 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 does the improv reaction it's a, it says yes and <laughs> that was very funny people are going to laugh at that <laughs> i'm giving myself way too much credit right there <laughs> like the googly eyes in the um you know you're right they the, when they say uh we are small and insignificant we are just we're soon we're going to make another discovery that makes us feels like feel like even smaller pieces of expletive um the rock scenes are i think the key to getting that because they realize that when they're rocks in this place where life doesn't exist we're just rocks nothing matters nothing will change and therefore who cares and then when you get to the end, uh, Evelyn's rock turns and it's got the it's got the googly eyes on it. Yes, nothing matters, but we can be silly, we can be goofy, we can still love, we can still try to insert a little bit of joy into huh, see what we did there, into um into our lives like um i know you've heard me talk about this movie um it's called about time and spoilers for about time if anyone is uh listening and hasn't seen that wants to it's a romance that's a romantic comedy okay with dom hall gleason and rachel mcadams what yeah i just said dom hall gleason yeah 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 the um don't they time travel Yes, 
Yes, they do. Yeah. Uh, the men in the family, and only the men, for some reason, can only can time travel. They can go back in time uh, to any any point that they choose. Uh, but if they go into a dark place and, you know, think of it and close their fists and, you know, it's uh, very simple and they don't. Everything everywhere explains the logic of the multiverse slinging far better than about time does for whatever their rules of time travel are. But what I think um, about time does, it's the exact same thing as everything everywhere all at once in that it's not a movie about you know family relationships though they're there it's not a movie about who do we care about who do we love what will we do to, for the people that we care about though those elements are certainly there it's about how do we live our lives going from next day to the next day because that ends with um one of my favorite songs ever uh the luckiest by ben folds and he he says that he uses his time travel. He lives each day twice. He goes through it once with all the anxiety and stress and rudeness and brashness and yucky disgustingness that, you know, life has to offer. Like, you know, get splashed on by a cab or, you know, bird poops on your head or you just you're worried about your case or your your job or your test or something coming up. The second time. You go through it and you find the little things to enjoy. You find the little pieces of love, the little pieces of sweetness and care. And I've been monologuing a lot so far, but I think that's exactly what Everything Everywhere All at Once is doing, just with a slightly different message in that, yes, we may be tiny pieces of garbage, but that doesn't mean we can't make life worth living. That doesn't mean it isn't worth living. That doesn't mean that there's not a reason to keep going. That doesn't mean that there's absolutely nothing in this world. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh. I don't, I mean, personally, I don't necessarily agree with the idea of like nothing matters in general. Like, I think things matter. Like life matters, but that's just my philosophical difference with the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do only get one of them. Hashtag YOLO. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, I'm not going to go into the reasons why. I think that like I'm not going to go into what I think happens after we die because I feel like that's stretching it a little far. No, the film doesn't talk about that. No, not at all. No. Because that's not the point. It's about how we live, not how we die. Yeah, exactly. It's about the now. Bam. It's about, it's the about now. everything. It's about the, pra- the past, the present, and the future. It's about everywhere. <laughs> Everything all at once. All at once. Yeah. (laughs) You know what bothered me? What? When the film ended and it showed the title. Oh, yeah. Every letter stretched except for the O. (laughs) Does it really? Oh, oh, it's the bagel. 
Oh, I'm a dummy, dude. I'm so <laughs> dumb. Still, it bothered me aesthetically speaking. I, I was like, hungry. all the letters stretch except for that one. What the heck? I, th- I just think you're hungry. Yeah, I'm a little hungry. Yeah, I'm <laughs> you're not hungry? You don't want to eat the bagel? <laughs> the bagel of nothingness. The bagel of nihilism. Yeah, one day, you know, I sat here and I put everything on that bagel. And then it turned into nihilism. <laughs> I put everything. <laughs> hopes, dreams, sesame. Like, you know. That's great. <laughs> you know. Look, thinking of the costumes, I don't really think they say much about the character other than it's just like, oh, this they're absurd. And I think that's the point. I have one best mean. costume. What should who, <laughs> Oh god. All right. All right. All right, all right. No more, no more, no more Oscar talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> I I was getting I was pulling so much. I was ranting to myself in the living room about everything that I saw happening. It was incredible. Of course, I don't remember any of it because it was two days ago. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. You know, well, you had the, that statement you wrote, mm-hmm. like hit it on the nail perfectly. Perfectly hit it on the nail. See, you know, I think... Like, I, I mean, I mentioned earlier, like, when we started the recording, I said that um, I don't really have anything negative to say other than I think tonally the film's all over the place, especially in the first part, like the first half of it, when it's just mostly action sequences. And it's entertaining. It's fun. And it's, like, mostly exposition. And then... I'd say it sets it up pretty well for the second half. And obviously the second half of the film is, I think, way better and a lot more focused and cohesive than the first part. Um, I don't know if you would agree, but. I mean, I think if I if I was viewing it for the first time, there's so much that exists in this in the world of the film. Like, even if we're just taking, like, the, the one universe, there is so much there that it is it is really, really, really hard to get everything, get, uh, garner meaning from what you're presented with because it is all over the place. It's confusing. And I don't think that that's... I think that that's intentional, but I don't think that that's a flaw in the filmmaking. I think um, I think they try to treat the first part, everything, uh, as exposition. Because that's where we get every bit of explanation about what's going on in the multiverse, how this jumping came to be, where, you know, Joby Tabaki comes from how this all ties in to Evelyn's life. Um, I think, I mean, I think I didn't notice it as much either because the more you see something, the more you retain like what's happening. 
So like, if I remember the general details, I can say, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen next. And I can, I can then forget about, you know, the plot for a little bit and just focus on meaning. So how that's been put together is kind of back in my mind. I mean, they, they have to do a lot of explaining to make this work because they, this is shorter than Tar and Triangle of Sadness and Babylon and Avatar and Top Gun and literally almost every other movie. Short, 220. Uh, 210 if you don't count the credits. But um, they explain all of this stuff, how this works and where it comes from early and well, I think in the least confusing way that they can, because it is super confusing. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the concept is dense and very unique. Oh, yeah. Um, and like I said, extremely creative. I mean, when it comes to multiverse movies, like e- this is easily the best one, mm-hmm. like better than anything Marvel has done. With the idea, with like the concept of like the multiverse, that's fair. Um, and I give credit to the Daniels for being able to make it new, sort of like unique in a way, with like the jumping, like the paths, and you know how they're all like interconnected in a way, and whatever, you know, all that sorts of all those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very brilliant. I mean, I love the um the universe where Michelle Yeoh is actually Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Where she's a, like her actual person, like being a famous martial arts actress. Um yep. And then it gets in like this Wong Kar Wai mode when she's having the conversation with Ray, uh Wayman or what what's his Wayman, right? Wayman. Wayman. Yeah, Wayman. With a W. <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen any Wong Kar Wai films, but aesthetically, like stylistically, that's like a complete <laughs> one to one clone of how uh, a Wong Kar Wai film pretty much looks with the um the lighting, the color grading, and the uh specifically with Fallen Angels uh, as ninety five effort, but um and then sometimes like the film, like the way that the like. I don't even know what you would call this, but like the frame rate slows down. So it looks like it's slow-mo, but it's not like people are like zooming past like it's a time lapse or something. Yeah. And then the the focus is on, you know, that one character and like everybody's moving very quickly around her. Mm-hmm. But like she's not. That's something Wong Kar Wai loves to do. He loves to do that in his films, um, at least from what I've seen. <clears throat> but oh. Yeah. Yeah. And then the 2001 reference was pretty funny. Um, I, you know, I hated the hot dog fingers. That always bothered me. That was just like, I don't know. I get, I get it's like, yeah, the absurd, but I don't know. It just grossed me out. No, that is absurd. <laughs> uh, the, um, and one, one piece to add to that, I was sent, um, by who would ordinarily be our guest today. Uh, one Catherine. Uh, Catherine has decided decided not to come. 
on the show, but she did send me the link to a uh, a podcast episode where Kiwi Kwan was talking about his um his entire career, the way from uh, growing up, um, moving, growing up in Vietnam, going to L.A., uh, being in a ref, he was in a refugee camp when he was when he was very young getting roles in in indiana jones and you know the goonies oh he plays short round oh yo he plays short round that's crazy gave a big hug to harrison ford on stage oh after well i didn't i wasn't watching oscars at that time when it when it just started shame shame shame. oh that makes sense because i didn't have the uh the uh wink wink hint hint stream on (laughs) (laughs) but there's a section of this podcast which is um you know this is cross promotion for somebody who did not ask for it uh talk easy with sam fragoso uh talks about his pivot from acting to stunt choreography and working under the tutelage of director wong kar wai who i don't Kiwe Kwan, uh, the husband. Oh, apparently, he worked. Oh yeah, twenty forty six. He worked for the director that you just mentioned as is a paid homage to in the film. So I think I think that's probably just like it's just a cool little coincidence. Yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. But I think the Daniels like are obviously fans of Wong Kar Wai, and they they just throw that nod in there. Yeah, probably. I wanted to ask what you thought of. Okay, this is what I'm. I'm. I'm I still have trouble with. Um, I guess it's what's going on in the base original universe, and why do the credits roll? Um, in the fake movie halfway through the you know the halfway through the real film but at the end of like evelyn's premiere oh yeah they're like at the screening yeah yeah i i i I still can't you know put my mind around what that does because does that signify that her death in in that original base world but when we return to her and she's in the red uh, cardigan and which, by the way, I just figured out was um, Dan- what Daniel Kwan was wearing at the uh, Academy Awards. He was wearing a jacket that looked just like her cardigan, it said punk on the back, all that cool stuff. But um, uh, the um, does that, you know, red cardigan nothing matters smash a window at the at the laundromat is that the base universe or is the one in which the fight in the dilapidated overgrown irs office with the bagel and you know lots of smooches happen like bro i don't even know i get i don't even know that's the one thing that i was having trouble with is okay what's real What's this one and what's just all the other one? Because you're yeah. right. They, they mesh together well. And, yeah. you know, having the, you know, the connection, someone gets slapped and she gets slapped into the next person on the, in the movie theater. 
mm-hmm. the um you know the stabbing of her husband coinciding with the signing of the divorce papers and you know like that's it's cool how they did that how they chose to shoot that how they leaked it through the universes i just have a trouble figuring out what's real so tristan do you know what's real uh in the film no but i don't think that matters (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't think that matters because like the end result is still the same regardless of they're all universes they all exist i guess i don't know but yeah i mean and they use mirrors several times throughout yeah yeah i mean they start film starts in a mirror we go through we push through the mirror um to find of the original so maybe that's the whole the whole point oh we're in a mirror world okay this is the one where she figures out about the bagel and then we come back through the mirror for at part two when she's at the table and still doing the, the the stupid receipts and that's the reality bam i solved it i solved everything all at once <laughs> everywhere everywhere yes i am everywhere i don't i don't i don't know if that matters like what's real or not in the film because they're all real they're all existing let me have this please <laughs> no no yeah yeah sorry <laughs> sorry i'm still in spotlight sorry no, it's, it's fine i mean <laughs> it doesn't matter what's real to tristan keep going no no in the film not in yeah. the real no, life that i mean that's what that's what i meant sorry yeah not not in real life <laughs> the film yes well then then what is is it back to you know that idealistic hope um more of a philosophy film than it is a plot story maybe yeah 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 there is a plot there is a story but I don't think the point of the film is to tell the story I think the point is the the ideology bit of it like the um you know I I I think the the way that they trace Evelyn's path through this 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 you know through everything everywhere at once I have to do that every time now <laughs> The, the way that they tra- they trace her path is interesting to me because the way it seems sequentially is you must go through nihilism in order to come out for the absurd. Um, you must... First she accepts and she goes into the bagel. I love the bagel. I love that I can just say that and we know what it means because it's such a weird sentence if you put this anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, the context, yeah, out of context. We go into the bagel. The bagel. And <laughs> we go into the bagel. Mm, so weird. And she's nihilistic. Nothing matters. 
the consequences of her actions don't matter and therefore she can cause as much harm as she wants she stabs her husband she signs the divorce papers she you know resists arrest breaks breaks the window of the laundromat with the baseball bat with the stupid googly eyes on it Mm -hmm. because nothing matters i don't there aren't consequences for your actions and if there are it doesn't matter because nothing matters right right i don't like that they they, i i i guess that is the purpose for the existence of waymond but i don't like that evelyn goes through that i i think she had stuttering we're gonna go back to the beginning Okay. I don't know if she had. Uh, you're trying to say if she has to. You're asking. Yeah, I don't she think she to. has to, because nah. yeah, because Waymond exists as that uh, absurd. Yes, nothing may matter. Yes, we may, we may be small and insignificant, but take joy, have fun. There are things that are good about the world. We should enjoy those rather than worry about if it matters. And then there's Joy, who nothing matters. Everything sucks. There is no point. And Evelyn has to dance between the two because, you know, it's a family of three. And therefore, it's perfect. You have uh, polar opposite one, polar opposite two, and the person in the middle. So Evelyn experiences both and finds that middle. She, you know, does the full horseshoe. The full loop the loop. But like accepting everything everywhere as an outlook kind of um, piece. It reminds me of a book series that I read when I was little. Er, I still like it because it's still very well written. Um, it was called The Mysterious Benedict Society by Trenton Lee Stewart. And I have no idea how I came across it, but I did. And I'm so glad I did. Um, the book revolves around basically four children, very, very gifted children. And they have to do... They're recruited by a scientist named Nicholas Benedict to essentially protect the world, because, or at least their local quadrant of it. Because, you know, long story short, Big Bad Guy has got this system that is emitting out brainwaves, that is altering the way that people see the world. Everything is a little bit worse your coffee doesn't taste as good as it did. Um, everything is slowly eroding. We don't have faith. We're more anxious. We don't talk to anyone. We begin isolating ourselves. We begin, um, you know, pigeonholing. It's a less collaborative, more exclusive society. Um, and nothing major has changed. There has been no, you know, coup. There's no military dictatorship. But like, there's that subtle feeling that like something's off. You've got that tickle in the back of your head that something's wrong, and you have and 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 they go out to confront that issue because he's using it as the first step into mind control. I think that that's something that that 
everything everywhere all at once kind of looks at a little bit that thought that is everything going wrong that you know joy bouncing from universe to universe to universe only spending a few seconds in every one where something makes sense treating that bouncing as uncertainty as concern for you know what's going to happen anxiety doubt fear um you know not knowing what comes next and not knowing if it'll matter essentially like 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 think of it like a like a long existential crisis was that making is that making sense is this is this going is this am i just tangenting on you know garbage no no you're making sense it's coherent thank god i think because like i'm awake i'm awake right now i know what i'm talking about i think (laughs) (laughs) it's a little long it's a long-winded thought but it makes sense it is incredibly long-winded and i apologize to our, our our loyal viewers for listeners i should say i've barely i've barely spoken this episode i know i've been like ranting <laughs> i apologize <laughs> for listening to the max joke. <laughs> don't worry we'll get one later <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get tristan some 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 commentary some more airtime yeah gosh you're still my spotlight bro you got me you got any rants in you about about this you got any philosophic thoughts about you know googly eyes or the world i mean basically the the film's absurd and crazy and it's pretty good but not as good as tar That's all you got. That's all you've got. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, I don't I I really don't have much to say about it other than like, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I thought it was very creative. It was brilliant in that in that aspect. And like I I love the family um dynamic. That's probably like my favorite part of the film. Is the relationships between uh the four family members. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously specifically from the perspective of Evelyn and her relationships with her father, her daughter, and her husband. Hmm. But, um, I mean, yeah, I just, it, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't see, I, I guess, I guess I just don't see the hype. Like I can't, mentioned in episodes previously like when it released and everyone that saw it was just like praising it to the highest heavens i was like oh man that's crazy uh i gotta see this um to see what's a what the buzz is about i saw it and i like i said i was like oh that was fun entertaining pretty heartwarming and then nothing else. I didn't. I wasn't blown away like I was with Tar or Triangle of Sadness. You know, I wasn't like, wow, that was incredible. You know, yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I cried with when, you know, Evelyn and Joy 
reconciled or whatever. But other than that, I was just like, yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see, I don't see the hype. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I, I mean, I, like I said before, it's good. It's a good film. Oh yeah, no, it is. It's I, I the the awards is a really really messed up way to look at it, but I don't think that it's miles better than every other thing that came out. Oh well, I mean, awards but, aside, like even before the Oscars, just like the entire year, and especially when it released, like those months after yeah. the release, it was crazy. That was like. Like on Letterboxd alone, it had like a 4.6 when it dropped. I was like, what? Like, no way. I'm like, no way. Um, I mean, the score is lowered. It's at a 4.4. But even then, that's still so high, I think, in my opinion. It's just like, I don't think it deserves that score. But, everybody you know. everybody that I saw <clears throat> putting it at their, you know, t- in their top three favorite films of the year, I was surprised. I was... I was intrigued because when I went to see it, I didn't get that impact. I didn't get that. Holy crap. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't blown away. And that might be on how I watch movies. If I'm looking for analysis, if I'm looking for, you know, those details, okay, why is this? Why did they use this camera angle? Why are they using the multiverse to tell this story? what's the you know here i'll bring up a little nihilist thing for you what's the point well i mean we understand the point we get what the daniels are talking about we understand we see those things i mean we literally talked about it yeah but this is like almost a year later and i I, no but even that even when i saw it for the first time i i got some of the themes i didn't understand everything fully um, but like the second time I, I got some of those things more clearly in my mind and then my mind didn't really change. My opinion of it didn't really change even when I was more enlightened and enlightened about some of the themes <laughs> and things that were going on inside the film. And I'll be honest, I think it comes down to a taste thing. Maybe, like- maybe. Like just, I mean, because like action films aren't necessarily my favorite genre. I mean, like I've mentioned, I, I don't think I've, I, I think, yeah, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but to you personally, like Terminator 2, right? Terminator 2, for yeah. example. I love that film. I think that film is a masterpiece. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not an action guy. I don't like action. My go-to genre is drama. That's my go-to genre. But when I saw Terminator 2, I was just blown away. I was like, what the how is this possible, bro? And then the guy goes on to make Titanic and then like derail his artistic legacy. But anyways, that's an episode for another time. Did you but, uh, you know, <clears throat> and then there's like other filmmakers like Paul Verhoeven, mm-hmm. who I'm very interested in watching. I haven't seen any of his works yet. Like he made Robocop, uh, Total Recall. 
um, Starship Troopers, like these like anti, um, anti-fascist, anti-war films that he's made, um, that are veiled by action by this like mind-numbing like thing um that is action sequences uh he he below the surface of those things is brilliant social commentary Mm. um but uh yeah and also mad max fury road i i do want to see that because i know that's been like i know that's like highly praised but Regardless, like action films aren't like my cup of tea. And I know that it isn't mostly an action film. There's elements of drama in there, which I prefer. Like I prefer that part of the film over the action. Um, I guess maybe that's what it boils down to. I just I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if it's a taste thing, like it's just a personal opinion. Like, I mean, sitting down for, it might just be what we were up to, up to overloaded with, uh, might be visual, um, a lot of really, really intricate shots in which you're going through so many different, you know, images in a second, those, you know, the moments where Evelyn is, you know, bouncing from universe to universe and you see everything overlaid at the same time. Or, or all at once, if you will, um, yeah. you that like that is impressive, but I, I don't think that's the thing that wows me. I think really good writing is the thing that wows wows me, and really good cinematography wows me. Yeah. Um, so I, I I think that you know recognizing the good in that you know the fact that you know again this is it's really really deep and rich philosophically you know concerning nihilism concerning absurdism concerning optimism and positivity in the face of a unfeeling uncaring world you know the ugh, something happened in my head and i stopped thinking for like a hot second that was (laughs) That was so fun. The <laughs> checks notes. <laughs> no. <laughs> like when I saw Triangle of Sadness, that was a really well written satire. Oh yeah. Good writing. Yeah. Bam. Sold. Mine. I loved it. Yeah, it was hilarious too. As as we know, it was my my top film that was released mm-hmm. in 2022. Um, that I had seen while it was 2022. Um, yeah. But like, I, I feel like this time watching watching everything everywhere, I, I was asking myself more questions. I was I was trying to think more critically about everything that was happening. And I don't think that that took enjoyment away from me. But like, I I I think that I was uh, I was searching for meaning, searching for the reason that everyone else likes this film mm. so much, and why why am I not getting it? I guess. Yeah. 
because this this it 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 can do everything for a lot of people. Like it 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 so I uh, so many people love it and five stars hundred percent know everything. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. Oh yeah, Seen it multiple times, all that great stuff. And you know, it's a, it's a film that benefits the more you watch it. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most for sure, I could see that. But like, if I was just gonna sit down and watch this, having no expectations, having no thought, having no you know idea what was gonna happen, if I was gonna sit down for the first time and watch this again. I think that me as a person, I would just get hit over the head with everything that happens and think, I don't really know what just happened. You'd be overwhelmed. I would be overwhelmed. Yeah, you'd be overwhelmed. I think I was. What? <laughs> I, I remember it. It was a, I went to see it on a Sunday in May. I hate to say it. I think it was Mother's Day. <laughs> um, but I, it was like an afternoon. It was sunny out. And I I walk out of this, like, you know, this dark theater that I'd been sitting in for the past two and a half hours. And the sun scorches my eyes. And I sit in the car and I'm like, okay, what the heck did I just see? My mom, you know, the first question, I, I got back home with my parents I, I I pulled the car in and they're like, hey, well, how was the movie? What was it about? And I was like, um, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool. like, yeah, like good luck trying to explain the movie to somebody that has no idea what it's about. Because it's so it's so hard. It's like, what do I say um, without giving spoilers away? I mean, a Chinese woman who has a strained relationship with her daughter, her father and her husband, like it is a family uses, yeah. finds out about the multiverse and like uses technology or whatever to bring her family back together. It is a philosophical family drama with sci-fi influence. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. That is the only, that is the most specific you can get from me without going into every little detail that exists. Yeah, exactly. Because then you'll get lost and yeah, you get lost in the sauce, detailing everything, like trying to, and then you by that point you give it, you give it away. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's the whole film. <laughs> I mean, it. Oh, gosh. I mean, oh, there's. Again, there is there is so much, you know, you can talk about philosophically with this. Uh, there's so much to say, you know, you can you can make your life, you can model your life and say, I make my life choices thanks to Waymond Wong, uh, Waymond Wang. That is my that is my uh, guiding light. You could say that I wouldn't. But I, I, I think that that's, that's, the, that's the way to look at the world. And I think that, you know, realizing that that's a way that we all can look at the world. And we all choose to look at the world. Um, I think that's the way that I do. I think I said that already. But I think it's the way that I do look at the world in that, you know, this may just come from the fact that I'm a huge fan of the television show The Good Place, um, which is fantastic. 
and you everyone should watch it because it is moral it's morality ethics and philosophy tied into the 22 minute sitcom uh time length which is awesome and it's short too doesn't go on for eight million seasons one piece (laughs) oh do you know one piece no oh okay never mind continue (laughs) i'll explain it later okay okay basically it's an anime that never ends awesome how many seasons so far i think it's like I honestly don't know, but uh, I think they're on like in the thousands for the number of episodes. That's too many. Yeah, that's a little too many. All I know, all I know from what I've heard is that it follows pirates and they try to find the One Piece, and they never find the One Piece. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That's yeah, anyways. What was I saying? You talking about your TV show that you like? Oh yeah, go on for eight million seasons. Yeah. It did not go on for eight million. The Grey's Anatomy, but <laughs> in discussing, you know, how do we? It's like how do we live our best life? What do we? What do we have to put out there? Because I, I'm a sucker for that kind of philosophy content. I liked the movie a lot more now that I have this, you know, understanding of what it means. And or at least what I think it means. I mean, I could I could be off base a million percent, but you know, that's what I that's what no, I, I think you're pretty close. I think you're pretty close. That's what I got from it. And you know, balancing that is okay. It's it's a way to live. It's a philosophy movie. Oh, everything clicks now. It makes so much more sense why they shot it this way. Why they say things this way. You know, I. Everyone wants to live their best life. And not everybody wants um, to be told how to live their best life. So maybe if they, they work it in subtly, then you can figure it out and say, okay, that's, a, that's, that's nice. And then you start thinking about it on your own. It's that yeah, latent learning. Slipping that in, and you're just going to pick it up as you go subconsciously because you saw the movie. But I I think another really wonderful piece about how this has become so widespread, well-loved, is the cultural aspect in that the protagonists and the lead characters are not white, but Asian. Mm. And in doing so, you open up a a whole other piece of the... um, You open up that that turmoil of the family drama where, you know, you could say, Oh, I disown you. Oh, you're moving to San Antonio. Okay. That's fine. No, that's like a cross continental gamble that Evelyn makes with Waymond to go to America from China. That's mm. yeah. It's it, it puts so much more importance on each relationship uh, there, which which deepens the family relationship part of the story. But then it's also representation. 
uh, a blockbuster, you know, leading movie starring a predominantly Asian cast. Um, I mean, you deal with the character is not being pl- the character is not in the film is not Michelle Yeoh. It's Evelyn Wang. She's playing somebody else. She's, you know, creating this new character to say, you know, for again, for the representation aspect of Asian folks can be superheroes too, can fight crime with a fanny pack, can save the world, can be depressed. <laughs> you know, it's more of the opening the door as well, which I think is it's excellent to see because, you know, the prior to Michelle Yeoh's Oscar win, an Asian actress had never won Best Actress. That's crazy to me. In 90, That's crazy to me. 94 chances. Bro, how? Zero. How? Exactly. Oh, wait, I know why. Because the Oscar voters suck, bro. The Academy voters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly right. But they you know, never they don't look at foreign film, bro. That's like a well, no pun intended, it's a foreign concept to them. <laughs> foreign film? What is that? What is foreign filmmaking? Hmm. I don't know what that is. Oh, we'll give them a little category for themselves, but nothing else. Yeah. We won't give them recognition beyond that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I believe that the the representation is also driven a lot of the love of this movie. Oh yeah, most definitely. I don't, Which is, I don't, yeah. I don't think I don't think you can ignore that. Like I think that also influenced like the how it why it won so many awards too. Even though Stephanie Shu undoubtedly gives the better. Oh, she should have definitely won over Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, that's like a no-brainer. God, if you've seen if you've seen our uh, video that that I, I put together and edited, uh, I was in shock about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw your face. What the heck? What the heck, man? But you know what? Hey, well, you know, what it is. Sh- hey, hey, that's on the voters, bro. It is well, on the voters. It is what it is. They should have gave it to her for Halloween, bro, back in the 70s. Yeah, too bad. Although that would have been Best Actress, I think, probably. Yeah. I don't I don't even know. She probably wasn't nominated because I know the Oscars don't like, uh, or the Academy, rather, they don't like uh, horror films too much. They don't like to give them that genre recognition for some reason. It was her first nomination. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> But you know what? Anyways. But you know what? It picked it up. It has the recognition. And now, well, with the best part- picture win, you get more exposure to that philosophy because people are like, oh, this film won best picture. I haven't seen it yet. But you know what? I should go see it because it won. What part that bothers me is like all the other great films that were won were snubbed. And then two that didn't even win, it, win anything. Right. Or also just like pushed aside because, you know, people that. Because there's people that watch the Oscars that aren't necessarily, they don't keep their ear close to the ground with, with regards to what's coming out in, in, in cinema. And so the Oscars is like their 
the thing that they watched to kind of catch up on all that that they missed in the previous year. Yeah. So you got all these great films like Tar, Triangle of Sadness, Banshee's Event, Sharon, The Fablemans, Babylon. Uh, Babylon. Uh, that are getting, and then also including the snubs like Decision to Leave, Nope, RRR, um, yeah, RRR, like that are getting pushed aside because they didn't win anything. Um, that frustrates me. Yeah, because people are gonna look at what won, which was obviously what we're talking about, and then all in the all quiet on the Western Front, and. That was like pretty much it. Like the films that won the most awards, right? Like those are the two. Not too, not too for RRR. Um, you know, there was an award for uh, Pinocchio won best animated, but yep. that's animated. And then like Avatar had one, Top Visual one. But like costume design went to back Black Panther. Yeah. That was like it, I think. Pretty much. But yeah, it's just like, I don't know, whatever, man. It's I mean, women, women talking got the recognition for adapted screenplay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Which is, you know, solid. Good. The whales, I want to see that. I still want to see that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. But, you know, like you're you're absolutely right with the. Um, the tunnel vision. I mean, it's it's sad. Hopefully, the people do decide to go and see Triangle of Sadness or Tar or Babylon or Banshees or anything that it inspires them. <laughs> okay, gosh, these these got nothing, and, and they can be upset and they say this one nothing. But you know, it doesn't. Again, what, I mean, this is what you've been saying for two months prior to this episode. Um, the Oscars don't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Ultimately, no, they, they don't play- matter. It's, they play an influence, I would say, over what people watch or True. like give give credence to. Yeah, uh, like general, like general audiences, like not like us part of the film community that you know keep a close eye to everything. Um, but like general audiences that just like watch movies for entertainment purposes, not really like as the art form that it is. Um, like they look at the Oscars, they see who won, and they're like, oh. Let's watch that. And then they ignore everything else. Like, I think I think it has an influence in that regard. Um, it, ultimately, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, because. To me. I know that Tar is the better film. In my opinion. But gotcha. it, it frustrates me that the voters didn't vote the way I wanted to wanted them to vote. Yeah, but it is what it is. And hey, I get to trash him about it every year, and that that makes my heart swell with joy. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? Fair enough. <clears throat> because hey, I highly doubt I'll become a member, and if the on off chance that I do, um, you bet I'm gonna. No, I'm probably not because I can't talk smack to my colleagues, and they'll kick me out. So. <laughs> You like you better vote for this. No, you're just uh, you're just a uh, uh, what's it electioneering? Yeah, exactly. Campaigning. Exactly. Yeah, I know exactly, <laughs> and that's not allowed. <laughs> not nah, but 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 yeah, on a serious note, like it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It is what it is. I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's a good film, pretty great. 
lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot, but I mean, I didn't really, I wasn't really blown away as like I was with Tar. No, yeah. Like my giveaway, I guess. I'm just pleased that I was able to get something out of it. I'm pleased yeah, that you know, sure. this time around, finally, I'm like, okay, oh, I see it now. We get the E-E-A-A-O lifestyle brand from Wayman Wang. Um, I'm glad that I was able to pick that out. I, I, I'm, I'm still a little befuddled, but I'm still in awe of how much they were actually able to pack into this movie. Because if if we were to if we were to go frame by frame and talk philosophically about every little piece and how that contributes to nihilism or um yin and yang and absurdism and the hole inside the middle of the bagel. I almost said donut knives out reference. <laughs> but um yeah, thank you. <laughs> the uh, but um Like if if we were to go piece by piece, frame by frame, I would be talking for hours, days, probably, because I could be like, oh, and this connects to this. Oh, which makes me think of this. And I would go on so many tangents and it would be so painful and I would lose all my friends because they wouldn't want to talk to me afterwards. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because it's all there in two hours and 10 minutes yeah. of, of, of runtime. So like good watch it yeah go watch it yeah please yeah go watch it again it's uh, no i recommend it yeah recommend it it. it. think don't take it so literally or watch it to be entertained because it's a sci-fi movie watch it to be entertained or to uh change your lifestyle (laughs) eat a bagel every once in a while eat a bagel but don't let the bagel consume the bagel. Don't let the bagel consume you. <laughs> out of context, out of context, that just sounds great. Thank you. <laughs> or like, you know, putting that black thing up your butt so you, can, so you have uh, kung fu superpowers so you can fight <laughs> and be an unstoppable force. Or get, uh, what is it, four paper cuts? Yep. Yeah, I get four paper cuts so you can... What What was his power? What did he uh, gain He was that? just going to be agile, gymnast. Oh, a gymnast. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Can I, I, was I, like... eat, can I eat my... Well, I've got a fanny pack over here. Can I eat my chapstick that I've got with me and be really good with it? Nah. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I think that's cool. I think that's iconic. I think that's the reason I have my fanny pack with me. <laughs> nah. But you know, that's just how it is. So that's best picture winner. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, by the unfortunately, Daniels. it won best picture. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'm all such right. a downer, bro. It's- it's fr- it's Thursday. It's Friday. Whatever the heck day it is. I'm Ew. such a downer, bro. I'll never live it down. Like with uh, Green Book over Roma, I will never forget that. That w- that's that's definitely worse. 
that's definitely the worst. Like one of the worst best picture winners, like up there with Crash. Ooh, not the Cronenberg Crash, not Cronenberg. The Paul, whatever his name is. Don Cheadle. Uh, he's in it. I watched that for a class once. What's that? I watched that for a class once. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Dude. We were supposed to read the screenplay. What? Analyze the text. Are you kidding? For Crash? For yeah, for Crash. Bro, what was your teacher thinking? Uh, he was thinking there are a lot of characters, therefore you can um how are you gonna contextualize this as a thing for the stage? And I was like, okay. Crash. He couldn't yeah. have chose a better film. He's like, oh, best picture winners. Okay, this is it. All right, here we go. No, uh <clears throat> Nestor decided not to do so. Oi, oi, oi. And that's why Khan is the better award show, even though it's a film festival, but in France. Their, their picks, their picks for Palm Dior are way better than Best Picture. Yeah, because they picked Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Exactly. Vindication. They actually pick great films um for for their winners. But yeah. Um but yeah, let's wrap it up. Would you care to do Roma next week? What's that? Would you care to do Roma next week? Uh get you still upset about the Oscars? Or we can uh, talk about it later. Uh I don't know what I want to do. Fair enough. Do you what do you want to do? That's a great question. That was best picture winner, everything everywhere, all at once. Directed by the Daniels. I'm Max Clark. Oh god, it feels weird. I can't do this. No, I have to let you do it. Okay. Well, I guess <laughs> we'll figure so out what we're doing later yeah. next week. But anyways, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on United to the Moose. WWVU FM Morgantown 81.7. Tune in next week. Uh, I don't know. It'll be a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, that's been everything everywhere all at once. Uh, directed by the Daniels. Written by the Daniels. And um, that's the Cinematic Odyssey forever. All at once. Good night.